Welcome to Factum Agri, dedicated to the primary industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and producers, industry and policy makers to hear their stories and expert opinions on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. A while ago, I caught up with Amuri Irrigation Co. CEO Andrew Barton to hear about their operation in North Canterbury. Let's have a listen is there is some interesting info, and in particular, the numbers on water take and how seriously they take their role in the community. Hello, Andrew. Thank you for talking with me today. Oh, my, my pleasure, Angus. Pleasure to talk to you. You're the CEO of Amuri Irrigation Co. For listeners out there, particularly urban listeners, please tell me a bit about the organisation. So the Amuri Irrigation Company was formed in 1990. It, um, it was three irrigation schemes that were owned by the government and the government sold those schemes. The government wanted to get out of irrigation, owning and operating irrigation schemes. So the three schemes in and around Colverton got together to, to purchase the assets from the Crown. Um, and that was reasonably forward thinking um, of those those farmers. Um, to Most schemes tend to operate as, as one scheme one scheme and one entity per scheme. So um, at the time there was not, um, it wasn't really a lot of schemes owning, uh, companies owning more than one scheme. So um, yeah, that's the that's the history. The, 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 the company, um, when they, the assets were purchased, the, the schemes were still being developed. They were border dike schemes. So um, that, that's a, um, the, the, the schemes had two owner operators. Um, and then uh, we employed, well, the, the company employed me um, about seven years ago. And from then we've slowly grown and now have about nine nine employees looking after water supply and distribution. How long has the Murray Basin had irrigation? So the first scheme was the Wairika scheme, which is just in behind YR Township. That was the pilot scheme for the ministry. Uh, that was delivered in the late or the mid 70s. The YR scheme is our largest scheme, YR Plains, that was delivered in the late 70s. And the last scheme was the Belmoral scheme, um, and that was delivered in the mid-80s. So, um, yeah, since since late 70s is the bulk of the, bulk of the irrigation. How many farms does a Murray Irrigation Coast supply water to, and what land area size is that? So the, the scheme infrastructure covers about 28 thousand hectares we as I said we have three schemes so the Wairika scheme which is the first scheme that was put in was a very small scheme it was the pilot scheme they were all border dike schemes originally Um, and that uh, only irrigated about 400 hectares Um, the YR scheme irrigates about 20,000 hectares and Balmoral irrigates about 8,000 hectares so in total it's a bit over 28 thousand hectares that we irrigate and about 130 farms uh, it's quite a quite a closely held um, farms in this in this area the, the, the probably the number of shareholders we've got is reducing over time as uh, is quite it seems um, popular for local farmers to buy buy farms when they come on the market rather than getting in new shareholders mm. and, and that and that scheme so when and probably three or four years ago we irrigated about 22,000 hectares we've done a reasonably large development which was about 80 over 80 million dollars where we piped the three existing schemes 
So they were all open race and border dike originally. Then farmers started to become more efficient with their water use and started pumping from the canals and supplying um, centre pivot irrigators mainly. Then we've um, piped the scheme, um, just the, the lateral races, so not the main canals. So you bring the water out of the river on the gradient, um, on a, basically on a flat gradient, trying to keep the water as high as you can coming out of the river. And, and that's in a canal, the economics of piping that don't really stack up. Uh, and then we've piped all of the uh, canals or races that were going downhill. And by doing that, we've, um, we're able to supply the pressure that the irrigators need to run. So we've reduced the amount of pumping in the area quite considerably by using uh, gravity gain, which um, uh, we can only access through the, the pipe upgrade. But effectively we've replaced a, a power bill um, with um, a, a, a debt servicing bill, but over time we will have paid off the debt. Um, and over, But over time, if we keep having to pay power bills, power bills generally go up. So that's the economics that is, that's been behind the piping of that scheme those three schemes. Are there plans to increase the supply of water to other areas of North Canterbury? Yes, well, we um, we were a shareholder in Hiranui Water Project, which was a um, originally a proposal to put a dam on the Hiranui River and to raise Lake Sumner, uh, to control the level on Lake Sumner. Um, that, that was a very large scale project that was proposed. Then it was sort of reshaped um, to use water from a storage in the Waitoi catchment. And, but this, this, the scale really wasn't seen as being feasible. So there was another uh, reboot of that scheme um, to a 20,000 hectare scheme, but they just couldn't get the demand. And, and um, we've taken over her new water project um, and have come up with a, a smaller scale scheme that supplies the area in and around Harden. Um, we've issued a PDS for that scheme. We've got between three and four thousand hectares signed up for that scheme, and we're getting ready to lodge construction consent applications for um, the works required to build those that scheme. We've we've got the consents we need to operate the scheme. We just haven't got the construction consents. So that would irrigate about four thousand um, hectares, uh, mainly supplementing sheep and beef operations um yeah so there's a that's the that's the um the project we're working on to increase the supply of water to other areas of north canterbury what are the economic benefits of irrigation to rural communities well i mean the we've done we've done actually some work on um social and economic benefits um i mean all, all in all all the economic and social metrics that you look at, um, kids in schools and um, uh, incomes are, are all, um, all the metrics are more positive in the, to the north of the Hiranui River where the land is mainly irrigated compared to the south where there's not as much irrigation. So um, I think it's quite clear that, um, that the town's the, 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 Col the Colverton and Rotherhams are, are, are reasonably booming um, and the smaller towns of Harden and Waikari are probably having a tougher time of it. Uh, so we think irrigation is definitely going to help 
those smaller towns uh, south of the Hirano River um, in terms of economics, but both both social as well. Uh, kids in schools and um, more families in these areas is going to be beneficial to those communities. So it really is a, a full community benefit, both socio and economic, having having irrigation. And I think to the future, it gives those communities far more um, choices and options for dealing with um, adaptation to, to climate change as well. Increased intensity of farmland is constantly in the spotlight. What is being done to offset increased intensity, and in particular runoff, nutrient loss, and protecting water quality? So we, we hold consents for our, our farming land use. Um, we take the farming land use um, and, the, and the, the practices of our farmers very seriously. We, we have a, um, an environmental management um, system that's in place and all farms are required to have a farm environment plan. Now that farm environment plan is tailored to that farm. It outlines what is needs to be done to meet good management practice on that farm and is, it caters for the risks on that farm. As an example, a farm that's completely flat has a much reduced risk when it comes to, to runoff and runoff to, to surface water, whereas a farm with some slope has, has increased risk in that area. And the, and the farm plan will tailor the actions required on that farm um, to, to be meeting good management practice and working towards improving water quality. Now these farm plans are audited and um, and they're audited to check how the farmers are going and um, if they're going well they'll get an A grade uh, and we, would, we wouldn't go and see them um, again quite so quickly but if they're not doing what they should be then we'll be back um, to see them um, very quickly to make sure they, they get themselves back on track. Mm. And, and and over 95% of our farmers are on track to to be implementing good management practice on farm. So that's that's, that's the be a minimum. That's what we need to do to make sure um, we're working towards improving water quality. We're also looking at what we can do beyond that. Um, how can we get our farmers to go beyond good management practice and further improve um, their practices to, to, to better improve water quality? Um, that's, and so that's the on-farm. We're also looking at what we can do off-farm. So and it, as an irrigation company, we've got the collective grant to do um, some projects um, to improve water quality off-farm. So we are looking at a range of um, projects. We're sort of in the early days of this, but one, one option we're looking at is managed act for recharge, which has been trialled with some success down and the Heinz catchment. Um, we're getting close to lodging a consent application with Environment Canterbury for trialling some managed act for recharge to see whether that can improve groundwater quality in, in some areas where um, nitrate nitrogen concentrations are ele- elevated in the groundwater. Uh, we are also looking at a range of options for surface water. There's some really interesting projects going on looking at wood chip filters otherwise known as bioreactors where the, the carbon and the, if you run the water with nitrates through the through the wood chips the carbon and the and the and the wood chips can can take effectively take the nitrogen out of the water um, so we're looking at that and wetlands and other ways of trying to 
trying to improve water quality, reduce nutrient concentrations. Um, and we really, we've, we've been working on that for a while. We've, we've still got a little bit more to do, but we are, we are actively working on what we can do to try and improve water quality in the catchment. I mean, the, the farmers are, um, they all recreate uh, in these rivers. Um, the Waiara and the, and the Hiranui are the playground of our shareholders as well. So um, they're passionate about seeing um, improved water quality as, as much as anyone. Farmers are governed heavily and they are acutely aware of their environmental impacts and they are working very, very hard to constantly improve and review their practices. Now, people often say irrigated farms are sucking our rivers dry. Can you provide some context and facts to actual amounts of water being drawn from the Waia River, for example, and what the average total volume of that river is? Yes, so um, so there's, in total there's about um, an 18 cubic metre per second A allocation block for the Waia River, of which the Mere Irrigation holds close to, to two thirds, um, about 11 and a half cubic metres per second is, is, is our um, maximum consented rate. On average over the season though, we would probably take closer to about six cubic metres per second uh, because our farmers only irrigate uh, when they need water. So yes, it's hot and dry from um, December through to March. So over the season, we, we're taking probably about half on average um, of what we're allocated, but um, certainly for two or three months of the year, we'll be taking close to a full allocation in a dry year. Uh, so, and to put that into context, so we're taking about 12, the, the mean flow of the YR River is about 97 cubic metres per second, um, and that's about 8 million cubic metres per day going out to, to sea, or over 8 billion litres per day going out to sea. Um, the, the high, large floods in the YR are about 500 cubic metres per second, with low flows at the mouth getting down to under 20 cubic metres per second. But if the low fl the flow at the mouth's down at 20 cubic metres per second, we're on, we're on restrictions. So, so we, we have to turn off um, when the flows uh, get low. Um, the, the minimum flow in the river is in the process of being um, increased. It will be increased once the consents and the catchment are reviewed. Uh, in the last two seasons, the new irrigation has voluntarily increased the minimum flow that we operate to in the YR River by one cubic. So that leaves a, an additional cubic metre per second running down the river. Um, that's something that we've um, worked on with the zone committee in the, in the community to try and um, help leave a bit more water in the wire. So um, there's a, there's a, it's certainly a big river. Um, the figures like mean flows are, are, are challenging because clearly it, get, it can range from 500 cubic metres in a, in a flood per second to 20 cubic metres per second in, in low flow. But on yeah, the mean flow for the year is 97 and, um, and our mean take for the when we are taking, which is from September through to May, uh, is about six uh, cubic metres per second. So on that, we we're taking uh, roughly six or seven percent um, during the season. There's some very interesting numbers there. What are two exciting developments that are happening in irrigation right now? Well, for us, um, we are working on 
I'll talk about us first, but the, the, we've got two pretty exciting projects we're working on. Um, we've got um, a storage pond. So as I said, with the YR River minimum flows, um, the, the minimum flows will increase um, to give effect to the regional plan minimum flows on the YR, but also on the Hiranui. So we're looking at a storage pond um, and we're doing design work on that. And um, that is going to allow us to, to mitigate the effect of increased minimum flows. So, so we can leave more water in the river. Um, you fill the pond over winter um, and you might f top it up a little bit if there's a, um, a, a higher flow comes down the river in a northwest conditions. Um, so that, that's a, it's a large project. It's going to be six, at least a six million cubic metre pond. So 20 to 30 million dollars. Um, and that'll increase reliability um, for farmers, um, which is going to help with looking at future land use options um, you know, for, for things like horticulture. While, while we're a pretty pasture-based system at the moment um, with climate change and looking at what we can do to improve water quality, changing land use is certainly an option, but without reliable water, it's um, you can't do things like horticulture without reliable water. So we think storage is a very important investment for us for the future. The other project we're looking at is hydropower generation. We put in um, slightly larger pipes than we needed when we piped our scheme. Um, so we're looking at three megawatts um, of renewable energy generation at two hydropower stations on our existing scheme. Uh, at the bottom end of our existing scheme. So they're two pretty exciting developments we've got. Um, I, I do think the other exciting thing that's happening in, in irrigation is just the, the focus that the farmers have got on on trying to um, lift their game, improve water quality and um, and I and I, I think we're we've you know we're working with the farmers on, on the farm plans, but as I said we're also doing or working on what we can do um, over and above that at, at a catchment scale um, to to improve water quality. As a as an irrigation company, we we actually look after more than just our shareholders. So we, when it comes to the environmental management and farm plans, we've um, we've constructed a a system that caters for all the independent irrigators. Uh, in the inland area that um, they, they, they join our system. They all have farm plans and undertake audits and they have contracts with us to, to do that. And, and um, we think from a, you know, from a water quality perspective, there's, there's no point um, a mere irrigation doing um, a whole lot of work, but not taking the independent irrigators with them. So we've, we've teamed up with the independent irrigators so that we're all working to the same standards and all collectively trying to improve water quality. So I think that's really exciting as well, is that we've got you know individual farmers wanting to do more on their farms, but I think seeing the collective strength of, um, of farmers working together within catchments, um, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for, um, for the future. Indeed. I thank you very much for your time today, Andrew. No, no trouble. My pleasure. I mentioned recently that I don't believe we irrigate enough in this country. And I think we are missing a great opportunity, especially in storage or capturing water, particularly through flood events that we have seen recently here in Canterbury. I'm not talking about a dramatic increase of intensification, but providing farmers some certainty through the summer months when the pressure really comes on. You've heard the numbers from Andrew in terms of 
what water is drawn from their schemes and they are only utilising a percentage of their allocation and indeed a small fraction of the North Canterbury River's total flows. Just on the floods in mid-Canterbury, remember, this was only a couple of weeks ago and some farmers are doing it tough out there and they will for some time to come. If you know someone battling away, give them a call and help in any way that you can. Thank you for listening and catch you next time on Factor Magri.